0: Hello, Hope. It's great to be with you this weekend. You know, we're doing a series about five words or short phrases that drastically have the, the power to impact your relationships for the better. And this weekend, I have the privilege of sharing with you the phrase, I'm sorry. And we're going to look at both sides of the coin both our ability to say, I'm sorry when we need to, and our ability to respond graciously to those when they say, I'm sorry. You know, when the kids were younger, Deanna and I had the privilege of, we did some wonderful camping trips up to Yellowstone and Colorado, and you know, we would look forward to those trips for, for just months as we were planning and just looking forward to the time of being together as a family. But it wasn't long until the trip that you realized that maybe this thing wasn't going to be as peaceful and idyllic as you realized, because you get six people Traveling together, six people with different likes and dislikes, different personalities, different sleeping patterns, different bladder control, you know what I'm talking about here, it can be challenging. You know, when you travel together and spend all that time together, you know, quite frankly, when you get six people who are sinful people together in a confined area, sleeping in tents, cooking on stoves, it can be challenging relationships are wonderful but they are hard work you know you have young men and women looking for the day to walk down the aisle with their soulmate only years later walk down toward the courthouse of the lawyer for divorce or as parents we long for that day to, to to hold this little angel in our arms who does nothing but coo to us Only to have a couple years later, (laughs) this little demon yelling at us with every defiant fiber in their body. No! Life is challenging. Relationships are challenging. And yet I believe they are the arena, the greatest arena that we can display God's grace. Now every conflict is an opportunity we have to showcase God's grace not only to the person we're having a conflict with but to those who are around and watching you know this series is pretty timely that pastor Matt has picked out because we're together a lot now with this quarantine business and it's under kind of stressful situations I mean wondering if we're gonna have enough toilet paper on a more serious note some of you are losing your jobs Young men and women who, who are looking forward to this sports season are wondering either it was cut short, if it was basketball or in the winter, or wondering if it'll even happen. College students, are their, their year was cut short. Now they're back at home with mom and dad instead of the time of their life at college. It's a stressful time. It's a difficult time. And so we get together, there's going to be challenges and conflict. And yet each of you can play a huge part in helping those around you to experience God's grace. I want to look at a few verses from the book of Ephesians uh, because Paul wrote that letter to two groups of people who really beforehand could not stand each other. I mean, they couldn't have been more different, have a different background and religion and everything, and they really could not stand each other. And yet something happened. Both of those groups learned about Jesus and what God had done for them in Christ when he sent Jesus out of love, out of mercy to them. In Ephesians 2, Paul says that Jesus destroyed the wall of hostility and brought these two groups of people together to be a place where God would display his presence to the world. And so Paul challenges them, those who have experienced his grace, his profound, life-changing grace, to now share it with others, to share it with those around them. make sure your relationships are characterized by this same grace i'm going to read just a couple verses from the beginning of chapter four and then one verse from the end of chapter four as a prisoner for the lord then i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received worthy Of God's grace that you've experienced is what he's saying. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Two sides of the coin here. The first coin, the first side of the coin is this. Grace enables us to be humble, to say, I'm sorry, when we need to. The inescapable fact is that you are going to sin against others. You're going to do things that are insensitive. You're going to say things that are hurtful. You're going to step on people's toes. You're going to be selfish at times. But the question is, what are you going to do after that? How will you respond? You know, none of us like to admit it. We hate to say that we're wrong or that we've done someone an inservice, a disservice. I love the scene from the old sitcom Happy Days. Where one of the main characters, Fonzie, has a hard time admitting that he was wrong. Here, check it out. I figured I'd hang in the barracks and cheer up the guys. Mouth. <laughs> You're not gonna hang these up in any barracks because you're not gonna join the Marines. Just take all this stuff home, okay? But, Fonzie, not join? I'm all packed. You told me it was the right thing to do. Look, I know what I told you to do, but when I told you to do that, I was... (laughs) Ralph, I was... (laughs) I was not exactly right. What do you mean, not right? I mean, not right. I don't get you. You mean you were wrong? Mm. (laughs) You know, maybe you're kind of like that too. I know I am. We don't like to admit that we're sinful people and that we've sinned against God and we've sinned against others. But here's the amazing thing that God comes to us even when we were sinners. Paul says in Romans 5 8 that God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So even when we were sinning against him, God poured out his mercy. And it's that grace, learning about that grace and what a gracious God we are that enables us to humbly come before him and to admit our sin and to seek his forgiveness. And it's that same grace that empowers us, enables us then to go to others And to do the same when we've sinned against them. You know, if we want to have a strong relationship with others, we want to be reconciled, then we need to learn to say, I'm sorry, in humility, and in gentleness. You know, Paul says, make every effort to pursue peace with those in your life. Every effort. And that means saying, I'm sorry, as often as we need to. You know, there's some wonderful practical steps that, um, that we, I've learned from the Peacemaker uh, book by Ken Sandy. It's a wonderful resource. They've got also stuff for kids called the Young Peacemaker. Dan and I have used this in our relationship with our kids and in our previous church. It's got, got some great resources and encouragement. But he talks about the seven A's of forgiveness. And I'm just going to cover a couple of them, not all of them. And so I encourage you to, to look that book up and that resource up. But the first one is At Once. I'm going to go over five A's. At once. At once. Go quickly. If you want the person to understand that you're genuine and you truly want to be reconciled, go at once. Don't waste your time. Sooner is always better. You know, sometimes we think in life, you know, if I just wait uh, out things, it'll, it'll kind of just take care of themselves. This is the one thing that will not when it deals with conflict with another person. The sooner that you can go to them, the better. You now, Jesus also says that it impacts our relationship with God. This is his encouragement in Matthew chapter 5, 23 and 24. If you're offering your gift at the altar, if you're worshiping God, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, that you've done something to hurt them, that you've sinned against them, leave your gift there in front of the altar Go first and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. You know, God says it's that important to do it quickly. The second A, avoid watered-down confessions. You know what I mean. None of us like things that are watered-down. I love Diet Mountain Dew, and you know that. But watered-down Diet Mountain Dew, even that sometimes I can pass on. It's like, yuck. And that's kind of what a watered-down confession is. It's kind of like, yuck. It really does not fulfill its purpose. And that's when we use We, we, we go like this. You know, I'm sorry that I did this, but, you know, you, you made me angry. What are we doing in that? We're basically saying, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault that I got angry. It's your fault that I did this. If you hadn't made me angry. And here's the thing. The person might have done something to you, but your response is your responsibility. Nobody can make you sin. So what we need to do if we want to truly be genuine in our apology to them, if saying sorry, is don't use these watered-down confessions. Don't say but, or if, or maybe, or I guess, I suppose. Take ownership of what we did. Ken Sandy writes, the best way to ruin a confession is to use words that shift the blame to others and appear to minimize or excuse your own guilt. Mm-hmm. Own up to it. The next day, admit your sin specifically. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I need to get in shape. But it's another thing to say, you know, I, I need to you know, strengthen my core. I want to tone up my abs. I want to, I want to help, you know, my cardio. And it's one thing to say, I'm sorry. And sometimes we do that kind of generally just because we want to be done with the conversation. We want to get through it. But it's another thing to really show that we're genuine, to admit what we did specifically. I mean, it really helps the other person to know that we got it, that we really understood what we did or, or how we hurt them. It helps also for us to know maybe what we need to do differently in the future. If we stay on the generals, there's really nothing specific to tie us to. And it's also helpful in this case if there was an attitude behind what you did to confess that as well. I mean, maybe you said something incentive because you were jealous. Well, you need to own up to that too. Say, you know, I'm sorry because I said that, and I'm sorry because I was jealous. You know, the more you can acknowledge that, the more God really can work in your life and helping you to grow and mature, and the more it will strengthen the relationship and help the other person know that you were genuine. The fourth A, apologize. An apology is is really an expression of sorrow or regret. I mean, it's really acknowledging we know we hurt them. And, and maybe sometimes you really don't know how you hurt them. You know, at this point, it's great to say, you know what, can you... Just give them permission to share how their heart is feeling, how this really did impact them. You know, there's a big difference between being sorry that we got caught than actually being sorry that, that we hurt another human being. And so acknowledging that. The next one, accept the consequence as well. How do you know that you're genuinely sorry? Well, you basically take the consequence as well. You know, sometimes we we equate forgiveness with means no consequence. And certainly with God, God erases our eternal consequences. He treats us as if we had never sinned. But that doesn't mean sometimes that there's still not earthly consequences of what we've done. And especially with another person. You know, if I got angry and ruined someone's property, well, I can apologize and they can forgive me, but the property is still ruined. It, It still needs to be fixed. And so when we come with an attitude that we are ready to deal with that and help with that. You know, Paul, our, actually in the Old Testament, the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, when a man or woman wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord, that person is guilty and must confess the sin he has committed. But then he goes on to say this, He must make full restitution for his wrong. Add one-fifth to it and give it all to the person he has wronged. In other words, even go beyond what you did. In other words, especially teenagers and young men and women, you know, when, you, when your parents are, are disciplining you, maybe they're giving you a consequence, maybe withdrawing a privilege, or maybe you're grounded, you know, rolling your eyes at this time, or as you leave the room, giving some grunt that's kind of indescribable, really doesn't help the cause. It really doesn't show that you're genuine, that you really know and understand what you did. The harder you work to make restitution repair, the more easier it is for others to believe you're genuine. You know, this fall, Deanna and I discovered a great treasure, and that's fairway ice cream. I know. I, 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 I've been an ice cream snob in my life, and so grocery store ice cream, yeah. But we came across this fairway ice cream that was actually incredibly good, and so we started having that on a regular basis. Well, there was one night where basically there was one big scoop of ice cream left so I, I think that Deanna had some popcorn earlier that night so you know, I, I, I got the ice cream but we always shared it but inside of my mind I'm thinking there's really not a lot to share maybe she won't notice and so I scooped up my ice cream put the hot fudge on it and went into the living room hoping she wouldn't notice well she came in the living room and said oh is that the last of the ice cream <laughs> caught yes red handed And, uh, you know, she was gracious. She just asked for a bite. But inside, there was a lot going on inside of me. Because I know that at that point, I had been incredibly selfish. I mean, that night, it kept gnawing at me. And I kept just wrestling with that. Here's a woman who would give me the last bite of anything and everything. Here's a woman that I pledged to die for. And yet I wouldn't share a scoop of ice cream. Because I'm a selfish human being so I wrestled with that. Well, the next day I had to apologize to her. And I apologized and apologized and just that what a selfish man I was. Well, I, I tried to go a little step further to make her know I was genuine. I made it an unexpected trip fairway just for ice cream. To kind of show her I, I truly am sorry for being such a doofus and being selfish. Well, the last thing is ask for forgiveness. It really, this is kind of the, one of the last steps. Will you forgive me. I mean, we've apologized, we've expressed that, but, but we really need to then put it in their court. It's not, we're not reconciled until they've extended mercy to us. And so we need to ask them, will you forgive me? David began Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God. Will you forgive me is not an easy question to ask. What if they're not ready to forgive? Well, a genuine uh, response to them is to give them time. Maybe a couple hours, maybe a couple days. But you do come back to them and say, are you ready to forgive me? I mean, that shows that you truly want to be reconciled to them. Well, that's the first side of the coin. The second side of the coin is a little briefer. But God's grace not only enables us to be humble, to, 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 to say that I'm sorry to someone, but God's grace also enables us to be merciful To be able to forgive those who say to us, I'm sorry. I mean, look at the words again from Ephesians 4. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiving someone can be one of the hardest things we do in life. And there's often some unhealthy attitudes that make forgiveness challenging. First of all, we withhold forgiveness because we want them to to kind of earn it, to deserve it. But here we have to ask ourselves, whenever it comes to forgiveness, how has God forgiven me? Does God make us deserve forgiveness, to earn it? And we know biblically That's not the case. Right in the word forgiveness is the word give. Forgiveness is a gift from God out of his mercy and his love. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death." That's what I deserve because of my sin. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a gift. And so it is a gift that we are to extend to others. We also withhold forgiveness because we want, sometimes, if we're honest, we want them to suffer like we suffered. We we kind of make it, it kind of feels like if we're forgiving them, we're kind of letting them off the hook. Well, in a sense, we are, because that's what God did for us. We know it's contrary to God's word to want to cause them harm like they caused us. Be kind and compassionate. Jesus did not make us grovel for forgiveness. He didn't make us and hold it against us. And we can't hold it against someone else either. George MacDonald says these very challenging words about forgiveness. He says this, It may be infinitely worse to refuse to forgive than to murder. Because the latter, murder, may have come in an impulse of a moment, a heated moment. Whereas the former, refusing to forgive, is a cold and deliberate choice of the heart that we keep making. It's not what God did for us. We withhold forgiveness sometimes because we want guarantees that it's not going to happen again. We want to forgive them, but... Just make sure this is the last time. Again, we need to ask ourselves, is that how God forgives us? How many times have you gone to God and asked for forgiveness for the same thing? Probably many times. Jesus said these words in Luke 17. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. I mean, help him to see what he did. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, I'm sorry, you shall forgive him. What does Jesus say here? For a Christ follower, forgiveness is really not a choice. Jesus taught numerous times that a heart that knows what it is to be indebted to God with such a huge debt but has experienced his profound grace and mercy is a heart that should be willing to extend that to others of their much smaller debt. The Peacemaker ministry describes forgiveness as a decision that involves four promises and we'll end with these the first promise is i will not dwell on this incident we like to kind of chew on it sometimes don't we we like to just kind of let it just just saturate but you know that's never healthy that always leads to anger and bitterness psalm 133 and 4 says if you o lord kept a record of sins o lord who could stand who could stand but with you there is forgiveness so what we're saying to this person as we forgive them is that we're not going to dwell on this incident. You know, after the Civil War, Robert Lee is, is, is said that he visited a, a lady in Kentucky who, who showed him this magnificent tree that had been basically destroyed by the war and the armies of the North. And she was looking for sympathy for her loss or help you know, for Lee to kind of join her in condemning the North. After a brief silence, this is all he said. Cut it down. Cut it down, madam, and forget it. Forget it. Or as Disney says, let it go. Just let it go. That's what forgiveness does. Second promise is that I will not bring this incident up again and use it against you. You know, sometimes we say we forgive, but the next time it happens, we want to bring that up and we want to use it against the person again. But again, is that what God does for us? jeremiah 31 i will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more you know there was a lady who went to her counselor and was trying to get some uh, marriage counseling and she said to her counselor you know every time my husband and i get into a fight he gets historical and she kind of looked at her and said you mean hysterical and the lady said, no, I mean exactly what I said. My husband takes a record and keeps a record of everything I've ever done. And when we get in an argument, he gives me a history lesson. Brings up all the things in the past. That's not what forgiveness or God's grace does. The third promise is I will not talk to others about this incident. And you know what that's tempting to do, isn't it? We want to kind of get others on our side. We want them to feel kind of sorry for us. Maybe see how this person is a schmuck. But you know what that's not what forgiveness does? It doesn't involve others. The Bible is very clear. If someone's done something against you, you go to them and you talk to them. And if things haven't been resolved, then maybe you 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 bring in another person. But it's not like you go around talking about this incident and about them as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us that we don't use this against them to make the person look bad to get mileage out of it and the last promise is this i will not let this incident stand between us or hinder our relationship you know the goal of forgiveness is always reconciliation that's what god did he forgave us in order to be reconciled again with him And that's the goal of forgiveness with one another, that we are reconciled. So as much and as possible it depends upon you, seek peace, forgiveness, reconciliation. You know, one pastor said, you know when grace is winning in your life. If when you recall those who hurt you, You have the power to wish them well. You have the power to pray for them. You have the power power to, to bless them. That's when you know that grace is winning in your life. Well, as we wrap up this weekend, I need to ask you, is grace winning in your life? Have you experienced God's grace that we just celebrated over Easter through Jesus Christ Have you come to understand his love and mercy for you in Christ Jesus and what Jesus was willing to do for you? Here's his promise from 1 John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. However you've disobeyed God, however you have rebelled against God, if you come to him, Forgiveness. He will forgive. And He will pour out His grace to you. And the second part of that is His grace winning in your relationship with other people. Maybe there's someone you need to go to and say, I'm sorry. Maybe something happened just this week that you didn't own up to. And you need to think about what it means to give a genuine apology. Maybe even walk through those steps together. Maybe there's someone that you need to forgive. Maybe they've apologized to you and you've wanted to hold on to it. Allow God's grace to win in your life, will you? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, this opportunity to be together and just to celebrate once again your grace in our life and all that you have done for us in Christ Jesus that we just celebrated uh, this past couple weeks, Easter weekend. Lord, we want to walk in a manner worthy of what you've done for us. We want your grace to win in our life. So Lord, I pray for uh, my brothers and sisters here. Lord, that your grace would win. If there's someone who needs to come to you for the first time, Lord, that they would do so humbly and gently and seek your forgiveness. Lord, if there's someone that we need to forgive, Lord, that we would extend that grace to them. That we wouldn't hold back, but that we would be used by you to help them to taste of your grace. And Lord, if there's someone we need to apologize to, Lord, give us the strength to do so. Lord, so that we can show a watching world what your grace is all about. In Jesus' name, amen.